good evening. I hope you're keeping dry. It's a little on the damp side out there, but we're glad that you've come to the house of the Lord tonight. I didn't know how many might be here since it's uh, raining so bad, but thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord and, and to His church and for being here tonight. And uh, Brother Doug made mention of the fact that I did say this morning I, I didn't have anything on my heart to preach. Francis and I drove over to Athens, uh, went to Cracker Barrel to eat lunch. And, uh, it was pouring down the rain and I let her off at the front door and uh, she went on in and uh, made our arrangements and I hunted the parking place which was on the back side of the parking lot. So as I was running, trying to get out of the rain, get under the porch there. This verse of scripture just came to my mind. And this is what it said, restoring to me the joy of thy salvation. Amen. And I said, okay, Lord, that must be what you want me to preach on tonight. <laughs> Take your Bibles, turn to Psalms 51. Psalms 51 and verse 12. So I'm going to ask you just to stand with us out of reverence to the Word of God and want to share with you some things uh, tonight. I went home and uh, looked over some things that I'd preached on about this before and settled on one of them. So uh, we're going to get it tonight, okay? We're just going to read verse 12, but keep your Bible open to Psalms 51 because we'll look at other things in it. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for the privilege just to be in the house of the Lord today. Thank you, Father, for your love and your mercy that you've so abundantly bestowed upon us. Thank you for every person who has braved the weather and come here tonight. And Father, for those who couldn't be here, we pray your blessings upon them. We pray tonight that your Holy Spirit will be free, Lord, just to work into our hearts and our lives and, Lord, into the lives of other people who are here tonight. May you be glorified. May you be magnified in all that is said and done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you and be seated. That verse of Scripture speaks about the joy in our salvation. And I want to share with you three facts about joy. We'll talk about that in, in just a, a little bit. But I took the time to get my Bible dictionaries out and look up the word joy. Uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, the word kiss. It's a lot better experienced than it is explained. But I'm going to try to explain joy, or at least what the dictionary says about it. It says happiness, an inner gladness, a deep-seated pleasure. It is a depth of assurance and confidence that ignites a cheerful heart. It is a cheerful heart that leads to cheerful behavior. Now that's the Bible dictionary uh, definition of joy. David is pleading with the Lord, asking the Lord to restore unto him the joy 
of God's salvation. David had lost that joy. Now, I want us to look at three facts about joy. First of all, there is joy in salvation. The second fact, joy can be lost. And the third one, joy can be restored. So we'll, we'll just take it that way tonight and, and uh, see where the Lord leads on it. But there is joy in salvation. Let me share with you some scriptures that talk about the joy that is found in salvation. Psalms 5.11 says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. That's the same word, joy and rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Three times that that word joy is mentioned there in that one verse. And it's wonderful that, that God fills us with joy. Psalms 35, 9 says, My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in His salvation. I was just sitting there thinking uh, while we were singing the song about He Touched Me. That this past week I, I have uh, had two different anniversaries that I enjoy each, uh, each year at this time. January 6, 1963, 59 years ago, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior at Oakland Baptist Church just outside of Sweetwater. Little little church that you could sit two or three of them down in this building here. But the Lord came into my heart that night and placed a joy in my heart that I'd never had before. I'd been a church member for many years, but I hadn't been saved. Also, January 3rd, 1971, I was ordained into the gospel ministry. So 59 years as a born-again child of God and 51 years as an ordained minister. That's a long time. You add those two together and you come up to, what, 110 or something like that. But uh, it's good to be a child of God. It's good to know the joy of the Lord. It's good to, to be able to wake up in the morning and, and just know that, that it's a day that God has made. And the Bible says for us to rejoice and be glad in it. And that's something that, that I try to do. I try to be a, a joyful person. I don't always succeed. But it, it's something that God does in our life. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Isaiah 12, 2 and 3 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now, Isaiah likens our joy to drawing water out of a well. Have you ever been real thirsty and on a hot summer day and you, you've maybe been out working in the yard or something or in the garden and, and you just need a drink of water? And you've, I, I can remember uh, when as a kid we had a hand dug well in our yard. And we had to take a bucket and let it down into that well and pull it back out with a rope. But it was good, cool water. And, you know, it didn't stay cool long because we'd just set it in the house. But uh, no air conditioning in those days. But it was good and it, was, it would satisfy our thirst. And he said, therefore with joy shall you draw water 
out of the wells of salvation. I remember preaching a message on that verse one time about the wells of salvation. And I went over into John chapter 4 and preached about the woman there at the well and, and another place in the Scripture. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. That God... He, he dresses us as His children when we come to know Him as our Lord and Savior. And He gives us joy in our heart with that. Romans 5.11 says, And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Isn't it a joy to know that our sins have been atoned for? That they're gone? I, I just enjoyed telling Joe here a couple of weeks ago, your sins are gone. And I can say that with confidence because that's what the Bible teaches, that when we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, those sins are gone. Jesus paid for them. They're all gone. They're put away, never to be brought back up anymore. So the Scriptures proclaim about the joy of salvation. Joy is the normal for believers. Notice what Jesus said in John 15, 11. Jesus wants us to be full of joy. He tells us there in that verse, let me go find it, I didn't write it down, but uh, I'm still learning how to preach, friends. John 15, 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Isn't that wonderful? Those are the words of Jesus. I've spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. There's a joy that God gives us, and it runs over into our joy. It makes us more joyful. The Bible also tells us about something else, about joy, that it's produced by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, faith, meekness, and temperance. That's the fruit of the Spirit of God that lives in our heart. When we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up His abode in our heart and in our life. And He begins to produce fruit in our life. I try to plant a garden every year. And sometimes we get a little anxious when we plant that garden. Sometimes the animals help us and all those kind of things. But it takes time for it to produce some fruit. It takes time when you've planted tomatoes out there in the garden as you just put a plant in the ground. And it takes time and it takes the sunshine and it takes the rain and all of those things to, to eventually get tomatoes to grow on that vine and for them to get ripened and then we can enjoy the fruit of that vine. It takes time for corn to grow into a stalk and into ears on the, uh, the stalk and 
for it to come to the place where it's full, to where you can eat it. It takes time for that to happen. But when we trust Jesus as our Lord and our Savior and the Holy Spirit comes in, it's immediate, the joy that comes in with that, how the, the Lord just begins to move in our life. I remember the night I got saved, I, I couldn't hardly stop crying, and it wasn't that I was sad, I was joyful. My sins were gone. I was then a child of God. And it was just the joy of the Lord that filled my heart. The Bible tells us that we can be encouraged and rejoice in Jesus. In Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But David, David had lost his joy. And I, I fear that that's happened in a lot of Christians' lives. We lose our joy if we're not careful. David had lost his joy, and this Psalms 51 is a, a record of what caused David to lose his joy. It tells us right in the beginning of it, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. You remember the story, how that David was up on his rooftop one night walking around looks over on his neighbor's rooftop and there's a beautiful lady taking a bath. He doesn't just look at her and turn his head. No, he stands and gazes, I suppose. Let the lust build up in his heart and he sent for her and they had an illicit relationship there. She had a child by him, but this angered God. God wasn't pleased with David at all about that. David had sinned. Israel corporately sinned. Lamentations 5 and 15 and 16 says this, The joy of our heart is ceased. Listen, this is, this is the nation of Israel speaking. The joy of our heart is ceased. It stopped. Our dance is turned to mourning. When they'd been out there dancing and having a good time, now it's turned into mourning. The crown is fallen from our head. Woe unto us that we have sinned. Joel chapter 1 verses 12 and 16 says this about Israel also. The vine is dried up and the fig tree languishes. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also and the apple tree. Even all the trees of the field are withered. God struck that nation when they sinned against Him. Their trees even withered up. All the trees of the field are withered. Why? Because joy is withered away from the sons of men. A nation can lose their joy. Is not the meat cut off before our eyes? Yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God even when they went down to the meat market. They couldn't get any meat there that would please them. When they went to the house of God, they couldn't find any joy in the house of God. It says joy and gladness gone from the house of God. 
You know, that's a pretty accurate picture of what's happening in our world today, isn't it? You people are, are most of you are my age. Some of you may be a, a little bit older than me. But I can remember when we'd go to the house of God and people rejoiced. People would shout for joy. People would sing for joy. Now we come and sit and entertain me. And we'll go home. But the world is looking at us. And the world is wondering what's happened to our joy. What's happened that we don't act like we've got anything to rejoice over anymore? Well, David sinned individually and he lost his joy. Israel sinned and corporately lost theirs. Their sins of commission and sins of omission. The Bible says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And sin will rob us of our joy. It just takes all the sap out of it. It just takes us to the place to where we can't rejoice in Jesus anymore. I'm glad that we're going through this, this series of lessons on returning to me. And I'm beginning to see a difference in some people's lives. And I, I, I had the joy of leading the ladies' class in there the last two Sundays. And, and there were comments made there today that, that it encouraged me because I know God's at work. And God is doing something there. And I, I hope that everybody in this church, if you won't come to the classes, at least take one of those books home and work through it yourself. What's the power in that book? The Word of God. It's got Scripture in it. And it's, it's zeroing right in on what's happening in our world today and what's happening in our hearts today. But David, David found out that joy can be restored. Look at what he has to say there. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Go back to Psalms 51 with me, starting in verse 1. I want us to see how David came clean with God. Verses 1 through 11. This is David's prayer. This is David's confession before God. First of all, he asked God to have mercy upon him. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. David will use about every definition of sin that you'll find anywhere in the Bible in his prayer here. He uses the word transgressions there. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Notice he's not talking about anybody else's sin. He's not pointing fingers at anyone. He's saying it's my sin. It's what I have done. It's my transgressions. It's my iniquity. It's my sins. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. I believe David was having trouble sleeping at night. I believe he would lay there at night and replay all of that had happened in his mind. Replay in his mind those times when he was joyful before the Lord, when he'd get his harp and he'd play, and, and he was joyful before God. 
Now he's sad. Now he's broken. Now he's hurting. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. He admits his sin against God. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil. Notice what he calls it. It's evil. It done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. God, I'm not blaming you for anything. I'm taking full responsibility for my own sins. You're correct when you judge me. You, be, you will be clear when you judge me. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David realized that we're all sinners, but he's taking his sin personal. He's taking his sin as we have to take ours when we come before the Lord. We have to take responsibility for it. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Friend, you can't lie to God. God knows your heart better than you know it. Sometimes we, we try to smooth our sins over and tell God, well, it's just a mistake. Lord, I, I won't do it anymore. But her heart's not in that kind of confession. And God knows that. David understood that, that God searches out the inmost parts of man. That God knows us better than we know ourselves. And you can't lie to God. God knows it when we're doing that. I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. You desire truth in our inward parts. In the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. David understood that this sin, it had tainted all of his life. It had gone down into his body. It had even went into his mind. He said, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. He understood he did a foolish thing. It wasn't a wise thing, but a foolish thing. Make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop. Hyssop is that little bush that they'd get out there in the desert land and they used that many times to sprinkle the altar with the blood when the sacrifice was given. And he says, purge me with hyssop. Take that, Lord, and Sprinkle your blood on me. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me holy once again. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Oh, David was dirty. He was filthy. He was nasty inside. That's what sin does to us. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Look at verse 8. Make me to hear joy and gladness. David was missing joy. He was missing even hearing it. Make me to hear joy and gladness. 
there's a great possibility that David's sin had brought so much sorrow upon his servants, upon his family, upon those that he ruled over, that it was just a time of deep sorrow. Deep sorrow. Sin does that. And it was happening here. And he's asking God, really begging God, make me to hear joy and gladness. Lord, I want to hear something joyful. I want to hear something that's good and glad. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. David saw himself as a broken man. You ever broken a bone? There's not much rejoicing goes on when you break a bone. In 1967, I turned a tractor over and broke my foot and broke my back. I was glad to be alive. If that tractor had rolled over on me, I'd have been squashed. But I was in a lot of pain for many weeks. It took a long time to heal. And sometimes I still limp on that foot after all of these years because those bones are not back where they need to be. But David was feeling like he was having his bones broken there. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. That they may be healed and that they'll quit hurting that we can rejoice once again. And then he asked God to do something. Hide thy face from my sins. Oh God. Hide your face from my sins. Please don't look on my sins, Lord. They're filthy. They're nasty. Blot out all mine iniquities. Blot it out, Lord. And then he says this in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. His heart was dirty. Creating me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Not only was his heart dirty, his spirit was out of joint. People that are usually joyful, when they lose that joy, man, they can be mean-spirited. They may turn on you. And he asked God, cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He wanted to be in God's presence, but there was a barrier between them. That barrier is called sin. And you don't have to commit adultery like David did to have sin stand as a barrier between you and God. Any sin will do that. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David was missing the Holy Spirit working in his life. 
he was missing what the Holy Spirit does in our life. And when the Holy Spirit gives us that joy and peace and all those uh, fruits that come from the, the Holy Spirit of God, love, peace, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And David asked God to not take the Holy Spirit from him. Now, we don't have to ask God for that. Over in the New Testament, Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit will come and He will dwell with you forever. And He does that. But yet, when we sin, He draws back somewhat. He's not at work in our life like He should be. And He asks God to restore the joy of His salvation, of God's salvation. And uphold Him with God's free Spirit. Have you ever asked God to do that? I've had to ask Him more than once. I've seen churches have to ask God to do that. For God to restore the joy of salvation. Now notice the rest of this chapter. David is looking forward. He's believing that God is going to do what He's asked Him to do, that He's going to restore the joy of His salvation. And then He uses the word then. Then. Not until then. Then. Lord, when You restore the joy of their salvation, then I will teach transgressors Thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto Thee. David said, Lord, I want to be a soul winner for you. I want to tell people how they can get saved. I want to tell them about you. You're the greatest thing in my life. And I want to share that with other people. But until I get the joy of the Holy Spirit back in my heart and the joy of the Lord back in my heart, I can't tell them that. So, Lord, restore the joy of thy salvation. And then... I'll teach transgressors your ways. Then sinners shall be converted unto thee. Could it be we're not seeing many people saved because we've not got many people filled with joy? Huh? Okay. I'll teach transgressors your ways. When you're full of the joy of the Lord... That's the easiest time in the world to lead somebody to the Lord. If you're all down in the mouth, you ain't going to witness very much for Jesus. But I remember when I had taken the job as director of missions up at uh, Cumberland Gap Association. And I had gone to my uh, last pastor's conference at Sweetwater Baptist Association on Monday morning. And we were, I was taking the job later on that week. Anyway, they, they presented me with a Bible and uh, wished me well and all like that. But uh, I had preached there that morning. And I started home, driving Highway 68. And I got just outside of town a little ways. And there was a young man walking alongside the road and 
he stuck his thumb up, you know, and, and I went past him. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need to pick that man up. Well, I pulled over on the shoulder of the road and put my truck in reverse and backed down to him. And he jumped in the truck and I had my Bible hang there in the seat. And I started driving and he, he looked up at me and he said, are you a preacher? I said, yes, sir, I am. And he said, can you tell me how to get saved? He said, I've been in jail for three months and I just got out this morning. I'm trying to make my way home, but I want to get saved. And I said, I sure can. You really wait till I find a place to pull off the road. We drove on over to Christianburg Church and I parked in their parking lot and took my Bible and used the scriptures and shared with him how he could be saved. And he, he trusted Jesus right there in my pickup truck that day. We went on towards Sweetwater and I said, where do you live? And he said, I live in Dayton. Well, that's about 60, 70 miles from Sweetwater. And I said, well, how are you going to get there? And he said, well, I know a man that, that works at a grocery store there in Sweetwater and says, if he's working there, said, I can ride home with him. And I said, do you have a Bible? And he said, no, never owned a Bible in my life. Well, I pulled in there at Kmart in Sweetwater and I got him a Bible. And I wrote in the flyleaf of it. I had a couple of reasons for that. I didn't want him giving it away one reason but uh, I took him on to that store and just let him out and he was going in to see if the man was working there that day and I was sitting there waiting on him and a friend of mine from Island Creek Church he walked up and knocked on the window and I rolled the window down and started talking to him and he said uh, what are you so joyful about today? And I said, well, a couple things. I said, I just took a new position that the Lord has given me and just led a man to the Lord. And he said, well, I knew something had happened. You're just too joyful for nothing to happen. But you see, our joy shines through. When we're obedient to the Lord and do what the Lord says for us to do, it fills us with His joy. I'll teach transgressors your ways. Sinners shall be converted unto me. He says, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, my God, of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. David was a musician. He played the harp, but he could sing. And he said, I'll sing aloud. I'll sing about your righteousness, Lord. Open, O Lord, open thou my lips. My mouth shall show forth your praise. Lord, you help me get my heart right with you and restore the joy. And there'll be praise that comes out of my lips. Praise for you, Lord. Thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. David was a rich man. He could have probably given most anything God had required of him. But he says to God, you don't desire a sacrifice or I'd give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. It's not those offerings that please God. It's our heart that comes with it. The sacrifices of God, listen, the sacrifices of God are first a broken spirit. 
God wants us to come broken before Him. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, Thou will not despise. When our heart is broken before God, that's not something God takes lightly. God doesn't despise that. As a matter of fact, God loves it. When we come before Him with a broken heart. Do good in thy good pleasure and design. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Lord, this is your city. It belongs to you. Zion, the mountain, one of those mountains is called Mount Zion. That's where Jerusalem's built. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. That city grew tremendously under David as a king. You can still see where the old walls were, and then you can look and see where the new walls that David built is out there. More than double the size of that city. Thou shalt be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offerings. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. David's looking forward to the time when not only he would repent and he would get things right with God, but when all of the people of that land and country, all of those who were under his leadership, that they would come and bring their sacrifices and offerings to God there upon the altars that would be built there, and that God would find this pleasing unto him. Thou shalt be pleased, he said with the sacrifices of righteousness. It's those righteous sacrifices that God's looking for. Have you lost the joy in your salvation? If you have, the Word of God tells you how to get it back. Come before God with a broken heart. Come confessing whatever sins in your life. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's nothing like being cleansed by God. It's the best thing in the world. So we stand to our feet tonight and bow our heads in a word of prayer. The invitation is simply this. If you need to come and meet with God, this altar is open. He's waiting on us to come. If you don't have the joy in your salvation you once had, come and ask God to restore it, just like David did. God restored David's joy, and he'll restore ours. Father, we thank you for the scripture that you've given us tonight. We thank you for how it encourages us, Lord, but it also convicts us. Father, we're so grateful that you're a loving God, that you care enough about us, Lord, that when we stray, that you come and let us know, that you come and convict us of it. And Lord, if we'll earnestly come humbly before you, confessing our sins and our faults and our failures, Lord, you're so faithful and you're so just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
We thank you for that, Lord. And I just pray tonight that your people might rejoice in you as you meet with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.